Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hi, welcome to episode 22 of the Toward Light podcast. I'm just off a meditation retreat, and so I thought this would be a good time to record the episode to talk a little bit about what is retreat, why do we do retreat, how to do retreat, what to know, and I'll share some reflections from the retreat that I just completed. A disclaimer that for those of you who've practiced retreat know this, and if you haven't, you might have done some other kind of intense experience and afterwards there's an integration period and so I cannot promise my level of articulateness or something, but there feels an importance for me to share in this moment so you hear how my mind and heart are expressing themselves right after doing a period of silent meditation retreat. So the word retreat, it can mean stepping back from, moving away. It can mean finding refuge or finding safety in some way. The way that we're marketed retreats in this culture is often these images of very athletic, fit, beautiful women doing yoga and on some beautiful setting and um, laughing with each other, drinking special juices, or there's this sort of glamorization of retreat in this culture. That is not the type of retreat I'm talking about, just to be clear. In northern India, 2,600 years ago, the Buddha and his monastics took three months every year where they stayed in one place, where they stopped wandering. And due to the rains, due to the rainy season, it made more sense for them to stay in one place. So they had these intensive retreats every year where they practiced in community or maybe solo. But there was always a period of time set aside for intensive practice. And there's talk in the suttas of different monastics practicing in different ways and some making the choice to go off on their own and doing solo retreat practice for short or long periods of time. And there are stories of the Buddha, especially when things were getting contentious in the Sangha of him saying, I'm going to go over here and sit for a while, meditate, practice, and then I'll come back. But I'm just going to take space. I'm going to remove myself. I'm going to retreat rather than getting tangled up. So retreat offers us a concentrated time of practice. And retreat can be anything from a few hours to a few days to a few months. When I came to this tradition of Buddhism, the Theravada insight tradition, I began by doing some day-long retreats. And then I did a I think a three or four night retreat, and then I did a longer retreat, but I built up, I got used to this concentrated time of practice, of turning inward, of reducing speech, and really emphasizing the practice. 
retreat helps us to build continuity of mindfulness. So if you'll notice in your daily life, if you practice meditation, say in the morning, and then throughout the day, there might be times when you remember to be mindful or you notice you're not being mindful and are able to come back to it. But it's hard to carry that thread throughout everything that you do all day. And so on retreat, that's this sort of laboratory where you can see, okay, what are other ways that I can bring mindfulness into what I'm doing? I was doing sitting meditation. Now I'm going to do walking meditation. Can I bring mindfulness to the moment in between? Now I'm going to cook my food. Can I bring mindfulness to preparing my food? Another reason that we do retreat is that it's a way that we're prioritizing our practice. We're choosing to take resources, time, money, energy that could be spent elsewhere, and we're placing it on ourselves and our practice. This is a beautiful form of self-care. This is a way to prioritize our mind and body system. There are many different ways to do retreat. There are monasteries and dedicated retreat centers that often host retreats. Right now, during the COVID-19 pandemic, there is a reduction in availability for that. A lot of retreat centers and monasteries have realized they cannot keep people safe or healthy in the container the way that they've been doing it. So they've taken a step back or and they've begun to offer things maybe online or some sort of hybrid model of connecting with the teachings and with the capacity for retreat. I've sat a lot of retreat at retreat centers. I miss it a lot. I find there's something so special about having the support of teachers and staff and the support of being in a room with 50 or 80 or 100 other people who are also doing the same practice that I'm doing. It helps me to build momentum and helps me keep that continuity going with my practice. And so depending on what country you live in and what retreat centers you're near, some are starting to open back up or have some options. So that's that's a place to look. And then there's these online offerings that many retreat centers and monasteries are offering now, meditation groups as well. And so it could be that it's a day long or a half day, or there are longer retreats being offered, some of them live stream. So you participate in the moment that it's happening. Some are on demand. So you can purchase the retreat and do it at your own timing or your own pacing. I am going to have a link in the show notes to a blog post about some of these resources and ways to access this if you're interested in doing retreat. The way that I did this particular self-retreat is I rented a place, a guest house on a piece of property in Topanga Canyon, and I downloaded a retreat from the Insight Meditation Society And so I followed the teachings each day and sort of made my own schedule around that. And I met with my teacher a couple of times during the retreat. That's a lot of privilege. I had five nights to do that. 
I had the privilege of time, privilege of resources to rent a place, to um, sign up for the retreat, the resources of having a partner who could take care of life and home and dog so I could go do that. So that may not be accessible. I also have the history of doing a fair amount of retreat practice. So even though self-retreat is a different beast, it did feel like something I was pretty comfortable with doing. But there are so many ways to formulate retreat. The first question to ask, I think, is what do I need to step back from? What do I need to move away from, retreat from, take a break from? So what is the thing that is causing the most craving or aversion or delusion in my life? And for me, almost always the answer to that question is my relationship to technology, to my phone, to social media, to streaming TV and movies. And so if I want to step back from that, Retreat gives me an option to do that. But I don't have to go away for five days to do that. There have been days when I've planned ahead and organized with my partner so that I, when I, from when I wake up until six o'clock at night, I'm in silence. I don't engage with my phone. I have a schedule and my partner can look at the schedule posted on the fridge to know sort of what I'm doing and what responsibilities I'm asking him to take care of. But I pretty much just go through my day, but not picking up my phone, not getting caught in that trap. I take a retreat from that. And that's very helpful for me. And again, that doesn't have to be something that you even do for a day. It could be for two hours or an hour or 30 minutes. What is the thing that you need to step back from? Or another way to ask the question is, where do you need to find safety, refuge? How, do you, how can you build more of that in yourself, in your practice, in your belief around your own capacity? You can find ways to give yourself that option. Maybe retreat doesn't seem available, but you're getting a lot out of your regular mindfulness practice Maybe it's adding another practice period. Maybe that's a way that you're building towards this. If you always meditate in the morning, maybe trying to meditate before bed or at lunchtime or just adding a little bit more time, saying, okay, how can I build this internal retreat, this internal refuge? How can I trust in myself, my heart, my practice, this path? I will link in the show notes to an article by Chris McKenna about, and I think I've linked to this before, maybe about how to do an at-home retreat. And what I appreciate about it is he really emphasizes the importance of rest. That so often what we're stepping away from, what we're retreating into, we're stepping away from this grind culture and we're retreating into rest, spaciousness, simplicity, silence, stillness. 
And in this article, he talks about like, oh, you might end up sleeping almost the whole time. And that's okay. Maybe that's what you needed. During this self-retreat, I watched myself, especially the first couple days, I would get in my posture for a meditation. Maybe I'd be listening to one of the guided ones from the retreat. And I would start to listen and I would fall asleep. And I would wake up about 20 minutes later and then I'd be able to practice. But I was needing to catch up on sleep. That was how my body was taking care of itself. Again, there are so many tools out there on how to craft a retreat, how to determine how much time you realistically have, how to work it. Like I said, when I do these days at home, I talk about it with my partner beforehand. I have ground rules written on the schedule so that there's a lot of clarity so that I don't feel like I'm having to deal with answering questions or of course we can have functional speech when it's necessary but I'm really trying to protect my time my practice luckily I have a partner who understands and and appreciates and supports me in that whether it's a day or a few hours or something longer it's important to know about how you are going to get support so I had this five nights. So I had two meetings scheduled with my teacher. I knew that my partner was dropping me off and picking me up. The first people that I reached out to after retreat were people that I meditate with and practice with. So I had support lined up. I also had sort of backup support plans if I needed more connection with some deep meditation practitioners. So some things to know about retreat, whether it's at a retreat center or self-retreat, is um, it's not easy. It's not a vacation because when we retreat from some things, we're retreating into ourselves. And so we're seeing parts of ourselves more clearly. On this retreat, a big thing for me was noticing how much I distract from my baseline. My sort of running baseline is always a little bit anxious. And right now, between COVID and the sort of insane racial injustice in our country and the fear about what's happening in our political system and who's going to be our next president, all of this has built up to make my anxiety baseline just even a little bit higher. So here I am buzzing along every day and I don't want to feel that. I don't want to be with that. So I'm watching things on Netflix. I'm doing the dishes and listening to music or have TV on while I'm cooking or whatever. I'm just constantly distracting myself. And so then when I retreat from all of that, painful, painful to see what's going on in my heart. And painful to see how I don't know how to tend to it necessarily. One of the instructions that my teacher gave me on this retreat, which was very helpful, was helping me to figure out on this solo retreat where I was feeling so lonely and so anxious about how do I access coziness and comfort in this container in the context of the Dharma? 
what are dharmic teachings, what are dharmic practices that could help me feel less anxious, feel soothed, feel connected. And it was really metta for easy beings and chanting. Those were the two things that became foundational for me in terms of feeling supported and cared for. This was my first time doing a true solo retreat, and that was hard for me. There's something about sitting in community that's so comforting, and I really had to face the loneliness aspect. I also did a retreat that was on demand, so I was watching the videos when it worked for me, but it had been recorded a couple months ago or a month and a half ago, and so I wasn't able to engage in the Q&A or in any small group offerings or anything. I was just watching the talks and the guided meditations and the chanting and the answers to questions and stuff like that, but I felt a little bit distanced, so I would... I think next time I would do it at the same time. What I really appreciated about this retreat were a lesson that came through that I needed to be reminded of is the importance of repetition in learning the Dharma and practicing the Dharma. I've sat a lot of retreats, like I said, and... In the meditation hall, I would often sort of tune out, oh, I've heard the seven factors of awakening talk, or oh, another dukkha talk, or whatever. I'd sort of pay attention, but not really. But this retreat, because I was craving that connection and that input, I was really listening much more closely. And I was being reminded of teachings that I quote-unquote, new, but needed to hear in a different light. There's an importance in the repetition in our practice, right? Like the, the more that we practice, the more we build continuity, the more our mindfulness stays with us throughout our day. I felt very held or supported in hearing teachings that I know and love, but got to revisit them with fresh eyes, with beginner's mind and was able to open in different ways that maybe I hadn't been able to before. Am I glad that I just went on retreat? Yes. Was it easy? No. Will I do it again? Absolutely. And I want to be clear that retreat is not for everyone in every moment. Sometimes there are financial considerations or time considerations. If you're the sole breadwinner for your family, during this time of economic turmoil, it might feel difficult to say, hey, I'm going to peace out for three days. That may not be realistic. There's also the reality of, you know, I was dealing with some anxiety and a few moments of sort of trauma triggers or I have a ton of tools and I have a therapist and a meditation teacher on call. So if I had really been struggling, I could have reached out to my therapist or I could have reached out to my meditation teacher and said, I need to see you an extra time. So sometimes if we're dealing with a lot of stress or turmoil, it may not be the moment to sit with yourself. You might be needing more of the support and the community and the container. It may not be the right thing in that moment. 
And so really trust yourself, really ask yourself, does this resonate or, oh yeah, could I be taking a break right now? Or like, oh yeah, I, do, I can't right now. Know, know yourself what, what in this feels good to you. And it might be a, oh yeah, I do need to retreat from my phone. I'm going to make sure that I turn it off at 10 o'clock every night and don't turn it back on till eight o'clock in the morning. Maybe that's how I can do this. Maybe that's how I can step back. In the 70s, when insight meditation came to the white population in the U.S. through teachers like Joseph Goldstein and Jack Kornfield and Sharon Salzberg, they created these retreat centers in the way that made sense to them in that moment based on monastery practice they'd done. And in this time, in this moment, where we're getting to have a huge cultural reset during this pandemic, where things that were status quo are no longer status quo, we get to ask the question, what does retreat mean? What does it mean to me? What do I want from it? How do I want to enact it? How can I connect with this idea? How can I create this in a way that works for me? Will I go back and sit retreat at retreat centers when they reopen? Absolutely, yes. And I'm also seeing other possibilities for how I can do this on my own with support, with all the resources that are available right now. So a couple last things before I close. I do want to note that if you're choosing to do an online retreat, Some of them have a fee associated with them. Some of them are donation only. But almost all of them have an opportunity to offer Donna generosity to the teachers. And I highly recommend if you have the means to do that and to do that generously. These teachers, many of them who are solely retreat teachers, have pretty much lost their livelihoods right now. And so finding ways to support them feels really important to me. And the final thing that I'd like to say is that I really believe in the value of retreat. Again, it's not pleasant a lot of the time, but so many insights that have unfolded for me from retreat have allowed me to be the person that I want to be. And that time of intensive practice, that building of the continuity of mindfulness has helped me in my life again and again. So however you define retreat, however you notice that you need to be taking a step back from something or finding refuge in something else, may you have the willingness and the support and the capacity to do it when it's right for you. And may all beings be at ease. Thank you so much for listening. The links are in our show notes. You can find me on Instagram at towardlight108 and the website is towardlight.net. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Be well.